You're listening to So You Want to Be a Photographer with Gina Militia, one of Australia's leading portrait celebrity and lifestyle photographers. With over 25 years' experience in the industry, Gina is a pro photographer who regularly travels the world shooting for some of the country's top magazines and advertisers. She is author of four best-selling books on photography, runs workshops and mentors aspiring photographers all around the world. In conversation with journalist, interviewer and budding amateur photographer Valerie Koo, Gina reveals what it takes to build a successful photography business, provides a sneak peek into life behind the lens and talks about her tips and techniques to get the perfect shot. I took a trip to Namibia last year um, and shot uh, portraits with the Himba tribe. And it really, for me, was just a case of, um, I just need to try and do this, you know, and and, and see what happens. And I I produced some images which I I was happy with. But then I came back and I went and got them printed with a, um, a printing house here in uh, London called Genesis Imaging. And the creative director there, I mean, he does printing for a lot of the Magnum guys. So he's, he really knows his stuff. And this was one of those learning curves for me is I, I kind of in the back of my mind, this is my ego going, I, I think I think he might quite like these images and he'll have some complimentary stuff to say. And so he printed these three images for me and, he, and I said, do you, do you have any feedback? And he says, yeah, I don't care about them. And I, and I was like, oh, okay, all right. <laughs> and he wasn't, he wasn't unkind about them. I mean, I know it sounds unkind, but he was just, um, he said, they're technically good photographs and they're interesting people, but I just don't care about these photographs. And, and as I sat with that for a month, I, I kind of, I, I realized he was 100% right. And, and I knew... I knew what he was saying before I, before he said it, I knew it. You know, it was one of those, it was a confirmation I didn't want to admit to myself. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 219 of So You Want to Be a Photographer. My name's Valerie Koo, and I'm here with Gina Militia. How are you, Gina? I'm great, Val. How are you going? I'm good. What's been happening in Gina world? I, um... I've been playing with Lego, Val. Lego? Yeah, so I did a job that had Mm. to do with Lego that my inner, can I tell you, my inner seven-year-old child was just beside herself. Okay. And there was thousands and thousands of dollars worth of Lego on this shoot, so it was very, I can't. Why? Can you expand on it it any further? It was exciting for me. Did you... I played with Lego as a child. I know a lot of creatives did. Did you, Val, as an emerging artist? I had Lego, but I don't think I had enough Lego. You know what I mean? Mm. I only had very basic Lego, so I didn't really get to do much with it. You know, I had not very many pieces. I had heaps and I still have it. I kept it because I'm a hoarder and Mm. I found out that it's worth a lot of money because what happened is they changed the colour, the dye or something that goes into the bricks. So if you've got the original stuff, it's worth Mm. money. Okay. So I'm sitting Great. on a gold mine, Val. I'm sitting on a gold mine. I'm going to retire on my Lego. <laughs> Love it. All right. That's pretty. I cannot wait to see the the shots when you finally get to release them to see how in the world you used all of this Lego. Pretty cool. 
Yeah. So, All right. And what have you been doing? What have I been doing? Um, today, actually, uh, I went into ABC Studios in Sydney to record a half-hour segment with Miff Warhurst, um, who is on Radio National, and um, that was really fun. We talked about writing and creativity and making sure that you do things like have a – we talked about NaNoWriMo, which is National Novel Writing Month, where you um, write a novel in a month. And the, the whole point of that is that you write – um, you try to write every day and you try and be accountable to the people around you. And the exact same thing can be said for um, photography, for any kind of creative pursuit, is just to do things consistently and to yeah. show up and to have a goal. So whether that goal is a certain number of words a day or a picture a day that you post on Instagram or whatever, um, having that kind of discipline, some kind of daily discipline, and okay, if you miss one day here and there, that's okay, but at least have a daily discipline so that you're always thinking about your work and thinking mm. about your craft. So that was really fun to go into the studios there. And, Excellent. Um, I love me. You know, I love her podcast, Bang On. I think it's fantastic. Yeah. I listen weekly. I'm a fan. Awesome. Yeah. Well, there you go. Um, okay, so we want to give a big shout-out to some people who've left us um, a review on iTunes. And first there is Crowbard. And Crowbard kindly left us a five-star review on iTunes entitled Time to Reflect. And Crowbard said, I've been listening to this remarkable show for three years now and I don't think I've missed a single episode. I continue to be amazed by the depth and detail of each episode. How Gina and Valerie manage to pull that off each and every week giving their hectic schedules is beyond me, but I'm truly grateful for it. Over the course of those years, I've those three years, I've learned a tremendous amount both through the podcast and the online community. So Crowbard is referring to the gold community on Facebook, I think. Um, this has helped me recognize that my freaky obsession with photographing leaves, snail shells, and other general debris is referred to as still live photography in polite <laughs> circles. <laughs> Evidently, I don't frequent those. Unfortunately, this peculiar predilection is a tricky hunger to feed. Nutella solo just doesn't quite cut it. <laughs> so I do sometimes find myself wishing that the focus on portrait and lifestyle would shift occasionally to light on other t types, to shine the light on other types of photography. That said, I absolutely love the interviews. The ones with Donat Donato DiCamillo mm. and Julia Coddington were amazing. So please keep them coming. Oh, and maybe a little still life guy sometime. <laughs> I could make a couple of recommendations. Keep up the great work. Fantastic. Awesome. I love that, yes. Crowbard. Thank you. Thank you so much. Uh, really appreciate it. And uh, I will find uh, some product photographers because I think um, it's interesting to cover all the different genres of photography. So yeah. uh, stand by, Crowbard. Robert. Yeah, stand by. I know Sta who you are. Thank you very yes. much for the review. Yep. Thank you. Um, that's awesome. And if you do have 30 seconds to leave us a review or rating in iTunes, that would be really awesome because uh, it certainly helps us in the rankings. So have you been – I think you've been busy today as well because you've I, just run an Ask Me Anything with the Gold community um, today, haven't you? Yeah, just got off, just got off the call like uh, 20 minutes ago, Val, and it was a fantastic uh, AMA this week. So lots of uh, awesome questions and we workshopped uh, some lighting scenarios and we talked about depth of field and focusing. I shared the technique I used to do 
uh, group photos as composites in camera and we talked about like removing red, red skin tones. We covered mm. a whole heap of ground, a great bunch of people on the call today. So it was really exciting. Awesome. And if you're interested in getting uh, feedback on your um, on your photographs from Gina, some critiques, but also a whole library of wonderful tutorials that Gina has created in her inimitable style that um, is just perfect because it's not super technical, but it explains everything that you need to know, then find out more about the gold community here. Hey guys, are you an enthusiast or pro photographer who wants to take their photography to the next level? I'd love the opportunity to work with you and I want to introduce you to my Gold Community. The Gold Community is an educational resource where members get access to photography courses and regular tutorials. There's over 200 tutorials with more being added each month. In these tutorials, I take you on set with me and I share my thought process behind scouting locations, posing and directing models, lighting and post-production, you get to see the entire shoot from start to finish, from surface in Sri Lanka using a single speed light, to character portraits on the streets of Sicily using daylight, or high-end studio shoots where I share all my posing and connecting hacks. There's also regular photo critiques, monthly live calls, and heaps more. As a member, you'll also have access to my exclusive Facebook group and online forum where you'll be able to connect with other members from all over the world. So what are you waiting for? Join the Gold community today and start taking the kind of photos you've always dreamed of. You can check it out at ginamilitia.com. All right. Now, this week, our topic is finding your authentic photography style with our guest, Sean Tucker. So, tell us about Sean, Gina. Well, I uh, stumbled on Sean Tucker's uh, YouTube channel uh, by accident. Again, I always say there's no accidents in life. I think you're always supposed to see and hear what you need to see in here. And I was immediately drawn to his authentic uh, teaching style and his photographies his photography his, he, his videos they're not only uh, visually beautiful but there is a depth and a, a raw honesty to his storytelling and teaching that's really refreshing and I've also had a number of the podcast listeners uh, mention him to me and that I should check him out and have him on as a guest so you ask and uh, I, we, we'll do it for you. So um, if you haven't already checked out his work, I, I suggest you go and check it out. You won't be disappointed. So if you're into long form, deep, nourishing conversations about and hearing about his journey as a photographer. So he's relatively new to the game. He's 10 years in, but his story is so fascinating. So his website is seantucker.photography. And in this interview, we talk about like what he did on his journey to becoming a photographer, including Val being sacked as a priest. 
Wow, and how do you be sacked from a, being a priest? Wow. Dealing with the shame he felt getting having to get a uh, a waiting job uh, when he was starting out and coming from being like, yeah, priests are quite respected and then having to go mm-hmm. back into the community as a waiter and serving parishioners like his wow. ex-parishioners. And then, you know, we talk honestly about the struggle to find freelance clients and finding his unique style. And you would have got a taste of the interview at the start of this podcast where he talks about that stinging criticism that he um, got, uh, you know, just recently about his work. And we talk about how that little piece of criticism went on to him going out and changing his style and finding his unique voice. And we also talk about things like imposter syndrome and a whole lot of stuff. So uh, shall we have a listen? Yep, let's have a listen to Sean Tucker. Sean Tucker, welcome to the show. How are you going? Yeah, I'm good, thank you. How are you? Good. So um, just for my listeners, where in the world are you right now? I am in um, rainy London. <laughs> ah, so it's a bit overcast. Light is very soft. Light is non-existent. Actually, it's really dark for nine o'clock in the morning here. It's uh, it's yeah, autumn's definitely turned. So it's um, we're getting nice uh, cold, cloudy days. How, how many hours of sunlight are you actually getting in 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 the depths of winter, like middle uh, of? It's in the middle of winter. You usually it's usually light from about sort of nine till four. So. All right, so kind of in that region, it's not bad. It's it, but the the light's got a really nice quality in London at that time. So you, you I mean, I I always say like if you're shooting in London, in the middle of winter, it's like a day long golden hour. It's it's soft light the whole day. So London right. is in in winter is actually one of my favourite times to to shoot. Do you do street photography when you when when it's that light, or would you are you shooting portraits? What yeah. sort of stuff do you prefer? Well, um, I mean, most of the outdoor stuff I do is, especially, especially in winter, is just sort of street photography. Mm. Um, but yeah, if you do get a sunny day, which, uh, which happens every now and again, contrary to, to myth, um, it's, uh, it's really nice sort of soft sunlight because um, it's uh, – I mean, we had a previous conversation. You, you, you were saying in Scotland, same sort of thing. Yeah. You get that kind of very side-on light. So it's yeah. not um, – it's like it's like the sun setting, but because it's sort of at an oblique angle anyway, because we're 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 fairly far north. Yeah. It's it's kind of that side light all day instead of that harsh overhead light, which I yeah. also enjoy in summer. But it's nice to kind of have the the difference. I, I kind of grew up in Africa mostly, and and you you don't get the same change of season in Africa, so you get this the same sort of light the whole year round. And coming back to the UK to live was really nice because um the change of the change of seasons gives you totally different options at different times so your pictures have a a greater variety if you're shooting out and about as well how different is the uh light in africa is that is that like because i honestly it threw me when i got to scotland because like i know right. my gear i know my stuff i can feel a half stop difference if i'm outside yeah. you, just, you just get used to it right yeah I get to Scotland and I start shooting and I'm like, what, what's, is my gear broken? What's wrong with my flash? Everything was like a, a couple of stops. Uh, I was overexposing everything and it was just the light was maybe a stop and a half to two stops lower than Australia. Yeah. 
And your contrast ratios are different as it's well, aren't they? So it's sort different. Of, it wraps around differently as well. And like, like I think, I think Southern Africa, because um, I grew up in Zimbabwe, Botswana, Lesotho, Swaziland, and then South Africa at the end. I think, I think Australian light is probably quite similar to South African light yeah. or Southern African light. So I, I get you, and I think you have to think very differently about kind of light and shadows, whereas shooting kind of northern hemisphere in autumn winter it, it, you you don't have the same contrast ratios to play with so uh, which is nice I, th- I i like it for portraits it's yeah. a lot more forgiving yeah uh, but yeah if you I, I do also like shooting quite contrasty sometimes so you have to work harder to get that contrast back yeah it's bizarre how different how, how and then you get to a city where there's more pollution and again you've got to factor that in like um uh, I, I remember reading Herb Ritz, the fashion photographer, used to shoot mm-hmm. on on top of uh, his building in in LA. No, just that big, huge softbox, which was the smog, <laughs> and uh, and and that's how he would shoot. And again, completely different light, and that had a little bit of edge as well to it. So it's uh, super interesting. Well, that, that was Johannesburg for me. So Johannesburg has um, quite a bit of pollution because it's got the minefields and everything else as well. Yeah. And uh, some of the most beautiful sunsets you'll ever see, but it's because it's cutting through this, you know, hectic smog and haze. So you get this very, very deep red sunsets, which was beautiful for photographs, but probably not very good on your lungs. So. No, but yeah, you do get those amazing colors. It's super interesting. Yeah. So um, now you've been shooting for... 10 years now, is that right? A photographer? Yeah, full time, full time 10 years. Mm. Yeah, I, I was shooting for probably five years before that as well, freelance on, on the side. Uh, but yeah. And so I know that uh, amongst our listeners, there are a, a lot of animal lovers. Do you want to tell us just briefly what you were doing in your teenage years? I found this <laughs> fascinating. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I wasn't doing it. This is the issue. What I really wanted to do, I mean, when you're kind of in high school trying to work out what you want to do with your life, yeah. I was 100% sure I was going to rehabilitate big cats and lions oh. and leopards back into the wild. That's what I, that's what I wanted to do. So I, I read um, Gareth Patterson and George Adamson and um, Mark and Delia Owens and, and a bunch of different people who did this for yeah. a living. John Varty was someone in South Africa who was – who was doing this with leopards specifically. Um, uh, this is before Kevin Richardson was a big deal. I think everyone would know who he is now from YouTube and the rest of it. Right. Um, and uh, I, I did get to spend a bit of time on a farm in Zimbabwe, um, sort of seeing what that would be like as well. Uh, and, uh, you know, bottle feeding lion cubs. And, Unbelievable. You know, hanging out like that. But it was a little um, – Nerve wracking. The guy who ran the farm only had one arm because oh, one, had, no. one had been taken by one of the lions. Oh my god! And one of one of the guys I met, who was one of the guys who fed the lions every day, uh, was eaten in the car park about <gasps> six months after I left. So it's not without its hazards. No. <laughs> yeah. So, so that was, put you uh, off? <laughs> no, not at all. No, I was I was convinced I was going to do it. I actually I went to university and um, enrolled in a degree in wildlife sciences. And just flunked my first semester um, because I think at the time, uh, uh, the course I started on, that, but there are about 500 of us who started the course and there was no ways that 
they could take that many uh, through the whole way. So they made the first year quite difficult, very right. varied. So they put in a huge spread of subjects to see if we were sort of well-rounded. And my maths was horrendous and my chemistry was horrendous. I didn't even do chemistry in high school. So there was no way I was going to make it through. And I, I, I flunked out on my first semester and had to switch subjects. So, yeah, that was kind of the end of that dream, really. Okay. So here's where your story gets really interesting. So yes. you're um, 40 now. You've been a photographer for mm-hmm. maybe, what, 10 or 15 years. So there's this little 10-year gap somewhere. What were you doing uh, then? <laughs> uh, well, after um, yeah, after that kind of came to an end, I switched to a degree in psychology. Uh, but at the same time, I was um, getting involved with churches in South Africa and working with um, especially teenagers, uh, youth groups and that sort of thing. And my 20s then ended up being me. Uh, well, after studying psychology, I then went to study theology and was ordained. So I was a priest in Africa for my well, basically my whole 20s. I worked for seven churches in total. Mostly with sort of under 35-year-olds, so I was always kind of, uh, that was kind of my area. And then um, trying to do outreach stuff into poorer communities as well. Obviously, South Africa has massive issues with poverty, so getting involved there as well. And that was my my 20s, which came to a fairly abrupt end. I kind of knew, like, when I I went to seminary, it was funny. I think I was, I I think I might have stayed in the church if I hadn't have gone to seminary. It was, it was, it was kind of ruined it for me. I, I, uh. I, I went to um, a seminary in Johannesburg, and uh, we, we were really lucky um, to have three lecturers full-time there who were very, very open-minded people who forced you to think for yourself, and that, unfortunately, in a lot of church settings is rare. Yeah. So when we would sit in a class of people, there were 30 of us in our class um, from very, very different backgrounds, you know. Uh, you know, men and women, uh, Indian South Africans, uh, Kosa, Zulu, uh, white speaking, white English speaking South Africans, Afrikaans, uh, and obviously coming from very different backgrounds, very different worldviews, then sort of talking about theology and church and the way it should be done, having very different opinions. Lecturers didn't just jump in and say, well, no, this is the answer, guys. This is the right answer. They would say, they would let the conversation happen and they'd say, well, there's a library full of books downstairs wow. in the world out there. Go and bring back your experiences and everything and bring it into this room and let's talk about it honestly. And that willingness to let us uh, talk and read for ourselves and think for ourselves kind of put me on a path where I was never going to last in the church because I, they taught me from day one to actually question things. Yeah. So by the time I was ordained, I knew it was going to be a short trip really. Um, and I mean, I was, I was eventually fired because things I was saying, um, were really not uh, supporting the status quo, right? And I, I, I did things as well. Like we had, we had in two thousand eight, there were some pretty serious xenophobic attacks in South Africa, where uh, people from other countries throughout Africa would come to South Africa. So a lot of um, Angola and uh, Somalians and Kenyans who would come and set up businesses in South Africa, and local South Africans um, would attack houses and businesses and burn down shops and kill people in the streets because oh of the fact that there weren't enough jobs for people. Yeah. And at the time I was working for a church in Cape Town and I, I said to them, listen, we need to, we need to do something about this now. Like people are actually dying. Um, let's take the church bus in and just get people out because it yeah. was happening, you know, now. And we, I was told, no, you can't do that. You know, 
this has been provided for the church and, you know, we have to be good stewards of what we own. So I, I stole it and went you down stole with a few people. church bus. Sure. Yeah, and went down. <laughs> well, I know, I know. I'm going, I'm going to hell. But <laughs> no. we went down and we bust people out for the day. We took good as many people out as we could. But yeah. we, we couldn't take them back to the church. We had to take them to a local school hall <sighs> because the schools were actually putting people up and, and, and giving a shelter. And our, our church was like, no, well, we can't ruin the furniture. And I was just like, this oh, is it. My so I, I obviously started standing up and saying, yeah. guys, this is this is bollocks. <laughs> you know, This is ridiculous. If we believe what we say, this is absolutely crazy. And there were other issues as well that I spoke about, quite honestly, and the way that money was spent and the way things were done. And, and I was told, basically, you need to shut up or, you're, or, or you need to leave. And I right. said, I'm not going to shut up. So I was fired. And then, I mean, it was all kind of cumulative. It didn't happen just then. I've, I've been, it had been a slow move towards that point. And, um, yeah, so it was a choice then of, well, what do I do? And, and um, you know, I, I put all my eggs in that basket for my 20s to get good at this thing that now I'd lost my context for and had to start from scratch. So a friend just said, well, you can do whatever you want. And I'd already been doing um, photography and video, more video actually on the side of church work just to bring in some extra money because um, obviously the church didn't pay very well. So to make sure the bills got paid, I I did work on the side and then chose to kind of jump and make that the full-time thing. It's interesting because, like you say, that oh, well, you did all this stuff, working towards that goal of uh, w- working in the church. But I think um, that foundation, everything that you learnt in your like psychology degree and then in your training with the church, is probably what's gotten you to this point where you are now. You know, to to yeah. to have that uh, the depth that you have, don't don't you think? And and it's probably, I think, a lot of photographers do it the other way, where they might start start off as artists and uh, focused on the outside. Everything's about the image, the image, the outside. And then um, as they develop as artists, they start looking in, looking in, and then seeing how that influences your work. It sounds like you've done it the other way around. It's interesting. Mm, I think that's true. Um, like, like, uh, but, but there's a part of that which makes me feel a little bit of a fraud because I think because I sort of taught myself photography yep. and um, – and, uh, you know, no one, no one really cared what I was doing for a long time, even though I was sort of building up some technical skills along the way. Uh, and, and the reasons that people pay attention at the moment is more because of the YouTube channel. Yeah. And I think that the YouTube channel exists and does what it does more because of the fact that, that like you say, I, I learned how to teach yes. working for the church than necessarily because I'm an amazing photographer. I don't, I don't think that. I don't think like – you know, you need to pay attention to me because I'm one of the world's best. I mean, I just I just did a um, a conference up north uh, where I was the headline speaker at a conference, and I felt I just felt a total sham right. because they had real, like, proper photographers who've been in the industry for 20, 30, 40 years. Some amazing photojournalists, uh, people like Tom Stoddard and um, Peter Dench, uh, who, mm. who who you know have have said amazing things with their work, and yet I'm headlining because probably because you know, I've got followers on, on, on social media and, and just real, you know, real, not that I don't know this, but realizing again, like I, it, it's not the same as being a great photographer, having any kind of follow on, on social media. And I still need to work very, very hard to, to, to get good over time and not to take too seriously the fact that people are following you and telling you you're great because most of the people who follow me are beginners anyway. Yeah. So obviously from their position, I will look like I'm, I'm, I'm great, but always keeping in mind that like, 
there are two different things that I'm doing. One is trying to grow as a photographer and mm. other is hopefully teaching and inspiring people on their own journeys. But that doesn't make me a great photographer. I mean, my wife's joke is that, you know, I just found a way to keep preaching, you know. But, well, you have. Just, yeah, you have. But it's like it's really yeah. interesting because you're being so transparent in your journey. So you're 10 mm. years in and there are – and you've, you're so honest about your journey. I mean, there's a lot of photographers who probably at five years in think that there is nothing more that they could be taught and they've made it, okay? <laughs> and also yeah. at 10 years in – 15 years in, I'm 30 years in and I think I've got probably another 40 years of learning to go, honestly. (laughs) And then the further I go in, the more I realize that I actually have – a hundred years to go and I'm, I'm not yeah. going to get there. And I think that's, um, every artist struggles with that. But, but, but what's interesting about what you're doing is, um, you're sharing that vulnerability with, with people who are coming up. And I think, um, that's really comforting. And I don't think there's enough of that. And we've talked about, mm. uh, a lot, uh, about the fact that there's, we were talking off air earlier about this whole, um, Instagram and social media, uh, mm. facade that's going on where everyone, needs to only show their highlights and people are afraid to uh, be honest and be authentic about what what the reality is uh, mm. in, in a lot of day-to-day life. So everyone thinks that everyone else is doing amazing, having an amazing life when everyone else is just like everyone's having an average life. There's great days, there's shite days, and there's, you know, mediocre days. Um, mm. So for you, like 10 years in, and I, I can remember, it's it's like you, you, technically uh, you you, you are, you have, you understand everything you've had and you've probably had enough experience as in photographing enough people you getting there, but it's kind of that this is where the work really begins. So h- how are you finding that t- 10 years in for me? I mean, you've just spoken about feeling a bit like a bit of a fraud on the stage with the other photographers, but like doing mm. the work as a professional, finding that new clients, h- how, how does that look for you as a 10 year in photographer? I mean, on the very practical side, like I, I don't really succeed as a photographer. Um, like uh, I, I don't have, you know, a list of people who are clients who are, who are asking me to do work for them. I mean, mm. this year I've just left a, a full-time job last year in November. So most of my career has been full-time positions mm. in companies running their studios. Um, and, and I, I've had a few, you know, one, two year stints of trying to freelance back in South Africa, which really didn't work. Yeah. Um, and now I've just gone back to freelancing, uh, yeah, November last year and this has worked, but it hasn't worked because I've got work as a photographer. It's worked because of, um, social media and the things have spun off around that. And, and I think it's important to be honest with people about that. Like I was sitting with a friend of mine yesterday who's a photographer and, you know, he's saying how much he's struggling and just sort of keeping ends, you know, going. And he's, he's a great photographer. Yeah. And he's going like, I don't know how you do it. I don't know how you're so successful. And I said, I'm not. Like when we, and we put down the jobs that we've done this year on paper and he'd done way more photography jobs than yeah. I've done this year. And that's the thing is I, I've maybe had five photography jobs this year. Yeah. Um, I've, I've had a few video jobs. But like if, if I was just relying on those, I would not be making ends meet. Yeah. Um, I think it's really, really tough today mm. to 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 from scratch uh, build up a business like that. And my, my business model isn't uh, that yet. And and yeah. you know, in the long run, I would love it to be that. But I know I need to do a lot of work. I, you know, this this is the thing, and this is what I was kind of talking about at this conference. 
that was mentioning is there's an amazing book by a guy named um, Richard Raw, who's a um, he's a Franciscan monk out of the states, and he sort of takes this Jungian idea of like splitting your life into two halves, and you, you in the first half of life you kind of you kind of build your box, you know, you construct how you see the world and what you think about politics and what you believe about, you know, science and religion and God and how, 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 how things work, you know, what sort of job you want, who you want to marry, what's sort of, you, you construct everything. Yeah. And then at some point we hit a crisis of some sort, you know, we have a divorce or someone dies yeah. or we lose a job and, and the box that we've constructed doesn't answer this crisis we've just hit and then you have a choice you can either just retreat into the box shut the door and attack anyone who questions your box again which can lead to bitterness or you can let it fall apart and then you can move into a second half of life which is more like openness uh, you're more comfortable with paradox you're, you're more okay with that things don't make sense you don't have this aggressive need to define everything and and i think every journey goes through those steps and my photography journey has gone through those steps. So, you know, the first, the last sort of 10 years have been about, you know, building the box. And that was like, what camera do I want to use? What techniques do I want to use? Learning strobe, how to balance, you know, things, how, what, what are my uh, portrait techniques? What are my uh, Photoshop techniques? All the kind of technical stuff, building the box. And then the crisis point for me was hitting it where, I'd done all that work and technically I'm an all right photographer, but yeah. still no one wants to hire me. That's the crisis. So right. now what do I do? Yeah. I have to, I have to let it fall apart and letting it fall apart for me is now going, okay, it doesn't work doing it that way necessarily. And I, and I know the missing, the unspoken missing part of this is I'm crap at marketing myself, but that's, yeah. that's, that's an aside that, but letting it fall apart now is going into, I want to shoot stuff that tells stories. I, yeah. I want to, take photos on my own time and my own money, go out there and, and, and say things which mean something with the yeah. camera that I have. And that probably means less technique uh, and putting aside a lot of the things that I've learned. And then maybe over time I become known more as a photographer who's saying something and then I get hired on that basis. And that's a much longer game to play, but it's, it's one I'm, I'm willing to sort of start on. Um, I realize that's a bit of a long-winded answer. No, to no, question, and I love that you said long game because yeah. that's exactly what it is. And it's interesting because you talk about in that ten years that that you had how many different companies did you work for as a full-time photographer? Um, it would have it would have been three three, but one of the companies had a few different companies within yeah. it, which I bounced around. But three overall, yeah. yeah. So one was. One was doing um, food photography, uh, yeah. product photography, and video for a yeah. company in South Africa, and then there was a company shooting um, uh, like big furniture, sofas, and dining sets, and everything. Uh, another one was like a um, uh, like a luxury flash sale site, which was a lot of like lifestyle-y kind of stuff. And then another one was uh, doing um, uh, video and photography for a big international consultancy, mm. management consultancy. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, but it is uh, it is a long game, and then as a freelancer, uh, allowing a, a year to get established isn't isn't enough. I think you need um, no. s- f- somewhere between three and five. And I always recommend uh, that to anyone coming up that uh, you have a, a corporate sponsor, which is a part time job. Uh, and because mm-hmm. what that does is it takes away that desperate energy as you're building yeah. the business. I had a night job as a chef. 
which was meant that I could work days as a photographer and I did that for several years before I finally uh, let go and then there's this there's this time when you're doing too much of everything and then you rely on the photography and then you'll go great it's like um have you read the alchemist Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So that beginner's luck that you get, your everything yeah. will be great at the start, and then you'll you'll be hit with a couple of challenges as you go. Yeah. And I think it's uh, it's it's um, what you do when you 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 have that first month or two months where like you the, the work doesn't come. It's like, well, do you get up? Do you keep shooting folio? Do you go see more people? Do you get yourself in front of more people? So um, mm. it's an interesting time, and it's um, I'm glad you mentioned it at that ten year mark because it happens at the ten year mark. It'll happen. And again, at the 15, at the 20, the 25, yeah. it's just a matter of you need to continue yeah. um, to keep reinventing yourself. So um, it's interesting because there are a lot – I see a lot more of those uh, full-time options for photographers where they're doing um, volume in product photography. Yeah, um, yeah. And I think if someone's just starting out, it's fantastic because it really gets your skills up there. But but yeah. what does it do to your psyche? <laughs> How did it affect you? Uh, I mean, I, I kind of when when I started um, with photography straight out of the church, trying to go full time, I had a very similar experience to you, where um, I was trying to get little bits of work in as a freelancer and having to wait tables at night. Mm. Um, to sort of make ends meet, um, and that was that was quite a um, an ego hit as well because I was waiting tables in the same city as the last church I worked for. So you know, instead of people listening to you talk from a stage, they're now right. coming in and you're serving them coffee and having to get out of the way so they can carry on with their conversation. So that that was the humiliating kind of beginning for me. That's interesting. So fact- That's interesting because you were at, like like I'm thinking I'm in my um, early twenties. Uh, you know, still trying to work out how to walk and talk at the same time, really. So for me, working in a restaurant and trying to build a photography, I didn't see yeah. that as an ego hit at all. I was just happy to do yeah. both. But I guess you've come from this position of being, uh, I guess, a respected member of the church. You're the priest. You're the people that people confess. Yeah. You, are you the guy that – would you go in the booth and confess oh, people? No, we, we were, it was more a Protestant church. So don't they do that? No, no, not the same. No, but I mean, the, the fact is, you're still, you're still as gross as it sounds, but you are still a little bit of a mini celebrity. You know, I mean, it's a, <laughs> yeah, and, and sort of part part of the community in the city as well, because you'll speak in other churches, and I did lots of youth events and those kind of things. So, so the people know who you are. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, I mean, and it was just turning thirty, so it's it's kind of a, a stage past that where you're, you you people are coming to you and you're you're serving them their meals. But they know it's because a career that you put a lot of time into has collapsed. And there's a bit of shame about that as well. So so when I actually moved to shooting full time doing product photography, it was actually a step forward for me. So I didn't I didn't have like this 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 sort of um, and I think this is what like new starters need to keep in mind is is it's very tempting to sort of go, oh, by the end of the year, I'm going to be a huge celebrity portrait photographer. Um, because that ego can mean you'll get disappointed very fast, which means you'll want to give up very quickly because you don't have exactly what you think you should have or feel entitled to. I didn't really have that problem because I was starting at the bottom and it felt that way. So anything felt like progress. So going and sitting in the studio for years, shooting product photography, as unglamorous as it was, um, I was happy to kind of put in the time because it was a step away from 
from waiting tables and yeah. having no photography jobs coming in. It, yeah. it was forwards to me and it felt like forwards. And and the good part about it, like you said, is it's a great way, um, especially learning strobes, it's a great way to learn how to shoot with lighting uh, if you're shooting products because you have – you have it's it's very very technical photography it's not that creative usually you have you, you i mean when i was shooting sofas in a day i'd have to get through 50 sofas in a day and each sofa needed to have five or six shots seven shots so i i had to set up almost a production line where i designed a lighting rig where i didn't have to move that sofa too much to get my five or six shots and i had a team of people who build the sofas they bring them in i'd shoot around them they'd have to get it out bring the next one in and they'd be unpacking at the same time it was a real production line but it meant that i really had to sort of design my own lighting setups that worked for multiple scenarios multiple products different kinds of materials you know something that had to work for you know shiny metallic legs but also wooden legs for example yeah. or yeah. Or, or velvet um, stuff versus hessian sort of material, different things treat lighting differently. So you almost have a crash course yeah. with this everyday shooting and, you know, all the other stuff like editing and Photoshop. You have to be able to, you have to get fast because you have to push this stuff out and no one cares about the quality but you. They've just wanted it up on the website quickly, yeah. you know? So caring about that, it's, it was having those sort of four, five, six years of intense head down, learn this stuff and it's a high pressure job getting this stuff out sort of stood me in good stead when I really fell in love with portrait photography, for example, because that stuff became second nature, the lighting and, and all that sort of stuff. So, okay. So a couple of questions here. Um, what, ha- what have you learned about um, keeping that ego in check, that, 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 that inner voice that tells you, all right, you're, you're not good enough or you are enough or like you talked about coming out from the church and having to wait tables and then you go and I guess your confidence grew once you started shooting um, products because I don't – you don't strike me as a guy that has any real sort of – problem with an ego at all it's, it's quite it's, <laughs> we all do no, we all, we all of course do. we all do we could yeah, all no, do but there do. are yeah. different levels right yeah um sure so what, what what have you done to keep all that in check because it is a kind of an ego driven uh you know yeah. often you're in charge of uh, you know large groups of people and it does it comes down to the photographer to make that decision and then you're seeing your work out there and there's all of that what so how do you control all of that what what do you do is there anything um, from the church that, that like, no, has taught you anything about that or the psychology? Because no, no, like, really. it's such a well-rounded is, education. It's fantastic. <laughs> useless for photography, but, yeah. Um, it's, um, I, think, I think the church actually taught me what not to do in a lot of ways because the really? church is full of very big egos. Um, <laughs> and I, I kind of reacted to that. I, th- I think the, the biggest thing for me is self-awareness. So being able to... Because if you are self-aware, 80% of the battle's won, or at least if you're trying to be conscious about being self-aware and, and, and being able to ask yourself any question at any time, you know, or anyone else ask you a question, not be offended by it, then, then you're in a good starting point. Um, and I, I, do a lot of, I do a lot of reading um, about stuff like that because I am aware of it. Um, and I don't, I don't, it doesn't mean I get it right all the time, but, um, you know, I, reading and, and this is where the psychology put me in a good stead, I think, is, is sort of getting into Jung, hmm. uh, who, who sort of dug into this stuff quite a lot um, and reading um, stuff like I, I, I've been reading a lot at the moment about the Stoics, the philosophers. Right. Yeah. Um, 
who who sort of have a really measured sober take on the self that doesn't uh, try and sort of glamorize or push itself forward, but also doesn't need to retire or retreat. There's like a happy middle ground, I think. And it, like I feel that tension with photography. You know, I, 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 on the one hand, um, I, I am quite self-contained and and self-centered in a good way in that I know what I know and I know what I don't know. Right. So if, if I get challenged by something, I, I'm, I'm all right to say, no, I, I know about that and I'm going to back myself. Um, and some people will take that as being arrogant or whatever. But then on the other side, knowing what I don't know and saying that I, I position myself, I think, fairly soberly within the photography community and I know where I stand. I, I, I I might be a reasonable technical photographer, although there is a, a load I could still learn, but I'm a baby photographer in terms of, of, of producing images which uh, people will care about after I die. I haven't shot anything that will survive after me, that, that people would go, wow, that's an incredible image. It won't, nothing I shoot have shot so far in 10, 15 years will be spoken about after I'm gone, and I'm aware of that, and, and that means that I'm still very, very much a baby. And, and sort of having a sober view and putting yourself and being, and being ruthless with myself as well. I mean, I think I, I get criticized on both sides. I'm too self-deprecating about it. And I think, no, I, I think I'm, I think I'm fairly reasonable about where I sit. And on the mm-hmm. other side, well, well, you just think you're amazing because you think you can tell other people how to do stuff. I think that's usually about <laughs> other people and where they're at rather yep. than me. And I think I've got, I've got a few, the other thing is, is having a few trusted friends around you who will tell you when you're full of crap and say, right. no, come on, you, you know, you know, and ha- having those trusted voices, I think is really, really key as well. And we, we all go through, I definitely, when I started out, had those naive impressions about, you know, how good I would be and how short a space of time and had to get knocked down a few pegs and had to have some photographers tell me, no, you know, you're, you're not that good. In fact, you're, you're, you're not that good at all, you know, yeah. and, and realizing, as much as that stung, I, I had a choice about what to do with that criticism. I could fight back and go, no, no, I'm, I'm really great. Or I could go, oh, maybe this is someone I should listen to and I've got a long way to go. And it, it takes the pressure off because I think the people who constantly need to shout about how great they are, it's exhausting because you do have the suspicion in the back of your mind that people might be right and that wears on you. And 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 you, you exhaust yourself chasing your tail trying to sing your own praises the whole time instead of just going, I, I don't need to do that. You know, I'm confident about the work that I'm doing, about where it sits in things. I know that some people will pay for that. And that's, that's amazing because maybe I can build a business off that. And, and I know that in terms of my heroes, I'm a long way off and that's okay because it's a long journey. You know, if you hold all those things in tension, it's okay, but it's, it all comes back to that self-awareness thing, I think. So what are you doing? Like, do you have mentors? Are there people that you take your work to and show them to, to go to the next level? And what are you doing in, in terms of um, self-assigned work to develop your mm-hmm. skills? I don't, I don't have a mentor. I, I wish I did. Um, it's very hard to find, yeah. uh, I think. Um, I mean, I've, I've got mentors, but not in photography. Right. Um, it's something I'm still looking for. I, I yep. would like to find somebody who's the right person. In terms of self-assigned stuff, though, I, I think the last, the last sort of few years, I've I've really realised that I need a change in direction uh, with my personal work towards things. I, I put out a video a couple of years ago, which was basically um, unpacking a little bit about how you choose a direction for your photography, because it's a question I get asked by people a lot. What what sort of photography should I do? And I'm like, I, I could never answer that for you. But I think the answer lies somewhere in 
in in one looking at the sort of photography you do that makes you lose track of time that you really <laughs> love doing. Yeah. And then the other is the photography that, you know, who are your heroes? Yeah. When you look at other people's work, what what of their work just makes your heart sing? Because in the mix of those two is your direction. That's that's who you should be doing. And it's when I put those down on paper, for me, it was people like Steve McCurry and Salgado and yeah. um, Jimmy Nelson with his yeah. work with the tribes and some of Joey L's. Yes. Um, you can see the work. influence yeah. there. Yep. Is, is, is stunning, stunning stuff. And, and I thought, okay, right. So somewhere in there is that mix. So it is portrait photography and it is um, a bit of documentary stuff. And, and, and hopefully now I need to go out and try and shoot something in that vein, putting my own spin on it, knowing mm. that I'm going to have to work out the specific direction as I go. So I took a trip to Namibia last year mm. um, and shot uh, portraits with the Himba tribe. And it really, for me, was just a case of um, I just need to try and do this, you know, and, and, and see what happens. And I, I produced some images which I was I was happy with. But then I came back and I went and got them printed with a, um, a printing house here in uh, London called Genesis Imaging. And the creative director there, I mean, he does printing for a lot of the Magnum guys. So he's, yeah. he really knows his stuff. And this was one of those learning curves for me is I, I kind of, in the back of my mind, this is my ego going, I, I think I think he might quite like these images and he'll have some complimentary stuff to say. Yeah. And so he printed these three images for me and he, and I said, do you do you have any feedback? And he says, yeah, I don't care about them. Oh. And, I, and I was like, oh, okay, all right. Oh. <laughs> and he wasn't, he wasn't unkind about them. No. I mean, I know it sounds unkind, but he was just, um, he said, they're technically good photographs, and they're interesting people, but I just don't care about these photographs. And wow. um, as I sat with that for a month, I, I kind of, I, I realized he was a hundred percent right. And, and I knew, I knew what he was saying before I, before he said it, I knew it, you know, it was one of those, it was a confirmation I didn't want to admit to myself. And then in December last year, I went back to South Africa um, for a really, really simple project. I thought, I'm not going to try to be fancy with this. I'm going to get very, very simple. I thought I'm going to take one little light. Um, I had a little Godox AD200 I heard on a podcast. You're using that as yeah. well, recently, yeah. which I love. I think yeah. As a travel light, it's brilliant, brilliant, brilliant. Um, and um, took it just as a little sort of pop-up beauty dish and a, and a pop-up black background. And I went and shot three people who were mentors to me through yeah. the years. Um, sort of uh, older men who kind of guided me. I, I grew up without a dad, and these these people were people who sort of jumped in that gap for me at different times in my life. And the, the images are very very simple in terms of how they're shot, but they mean so much more, and they're stronger photographs than those ones I did with the tribe. I know exactly that, the photos you're talking about, and why aren't right. they in my show notes? Sean, why uh, haven't you sent them? You can, can you send me those photos? Because yeah, of course, yeah. those photos are why I got in touch with you. Right. Okay. Because that, they that to me. spoke to me. I cared about those photos, Sean. Yeah. But and that's interesting, isn't it? Because I, I on the front end of it, trying to be, trying to be um, Salgado or mm. Joey L's personal stuff or, or Steve McCurry in almost a cheap way, going, oh, well, I just go find a tribe of interesting looking yeah. people. But then the photo is interesting because they're an interesting looking person, not because I'm a good photographer and I'm almost cheating. But this was like going to people who who aren't interesting looking people in their day to day lives, but they mean something to me. So it's easier for the portrait to tell a story that's personal yes. to me. 
And that, that was such an, a learning curve for me. So now I have a project lined up, which is sort of a mix of, and it's going to be a long-term project, probably sort of three, four, five years, I would imagine, where I'm, uh, it's going to be a mix of portrait work, but also to do with the church as well, because it's yeah. personal to me. Yeah. And where the church is at in this country, in the UK, and, uh, and all things which are connected to me and, and shot very simply. Um, and I'm kind of fleshing that out at the moment. And I, and I learned a valuable lesson. You know, you, 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 and it's not that that trip to Namibia was a waste. It was an absolutely necessary step. And it's not that the images are bad or I hate them or no. anything like that. It was, it, I had to learn a very valuable lesson about what meaningful work means and what I have to say as a photogra- photographer, not just being technical for t- photographs, but being combined with who I am as a human being and my experience and what I might have to say coming out of that, if that well, makes sense. It's, um, it's authenticity, you know, it's, it's, you're telling a story that 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 means something to you, and there's there's a difference in the Im- images. Like you can see the um, tech per- technically perfect image. Everything is amazing, or amazing yeah. location, amazing person. Take the photo. Yeah. There's um, there's a disconnect because mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you're not in that photo. But when you take mm-hmm. took those beautiful honestly they're beautiful photos um those portraits of those three mentors in your life they Mm. ooze so much um there's almost like love coming out of those pixels and uh your admiration shows and they moved me i cared about them as that like i love that quote now i'm gonna have topped it (laughs) what what a way to um throw shade what did he say again i love it so much i need to like well, he said they're technically nice pictures. I just don't care about them. Yeah, it's yeah. so harsh. That hurts. But, but, but you I needed mean, to hear valuable, that. What, because, what a valuable lesson. Yeah. Yeah, so imagine, imagine if he turned around and he just told you what you wanted to hear. Yeah, man, these are amazing. They look just like Joey L, only better. Great. What would you have well, done? Well, Probably continued well, the- on. <laughs> And, and that's the problem with like people who are starting in photography or, or, or sort of middling photographers by now. You have to be really careful where you get your feedback from because if your mates are just telling you the whole time how good you are or people who don't know and don't understand photography are constantly complimenting you. I mean, if you sit on social media, yep. it's a constant barrage of you're amazing. Yeah. Like you, you can't take that seriously. No. You have to go and find people who are willing to tell you you're rubbish and, and why not just to be unkind or because they're threatened with their own work, but because they, they're totally unthreatened by you and they're willing to tell you to help you like this, this isn't great. You know, I mean, as difficult as that is to hear the people who, who you need to hear that from it, that could be a game changer for your photography if you can hear it, you know? Uh, yes, I, I agree. And, but it needs to be, uh, said at the right time and said, yeah. uh, in, in the, in the right way, because I know yeah. a lot of people that I'm still trying to unpack the years of, uh, put downs or the one thing that they heard at seven. Someone told them, yeah. you, you suck at this. And they've taken yeah. that as a seven year old and you can't process it properly when you're a child no, to mean yeah. something bigger. I'm there. Therefore, I suck at everything. Therefore, I'm oh, not yeah. creative, and it goes yeah. on, and it's a big problem. So, um, yeah, it's important to find that mentor. But I think um, 
that guy that said that to you the way he said it and he I I, I don't think he would have said that to you if he knew you couldn't cope. So he gave no, you no, enough no. of the ki- a kick in the pants to yeah. then go, you, you need to thank him every day because from that yeah. was born those beautiful images and now from there, oh, my God, who knows what is going to come out of that and then you, you can trace yeah. it back, all the way back, yeah. um, and it, it's a beautiful thing. But, yeah, the the – People on social media either love or hate, and you've got mm. to um, ig- ignore both sides and uh, choose yeah. the people that you listen to very carefully. I agree with you a hundred percent there. So that's um, fantastic. Um, just uh, bef- before we wrap up on your portrait technique, when you're in front of someone, um, mm. what 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 style do you have? What are you saying to them to draw them out? Is there a technique that you use? How do you connect with your with your models? Um, I'm, aware, I, I'm aware that I'm an introvert first yep. and I, I'm not trying to change personality. I think that, that kind of makes people very uncomfortable if because uh, you can pick up if someone's faking Fake, something yeah. or, or trying to be something they're not. So I'm very aware of just being me, um, but I, I can carry a conversation. So so I will talk a lot and, and I treat – I treat most portrait sessions like you're doing now, like a podcast interview yep. where I, I, I'm, I've got someone sitting in front of me who I don't know. And I want to find out really interesting stuff about them because I find if I, if I get people talking about themselves um, and especially about things that they love, they'll loosen up mm. and they'll also get more confident in that space as well. If they get a chance to tell me stories about things they've done that they're proud of, they lift their shoulders slightly and they sort of engage a little bit more because they're like, Oh, I've got to tell this person that I'm this. And that's great. We've all got those stories that we're quietly proud of that we, yeah. we want to slip into conversations and can't work out how yeah. I'm giving you that opportunity by asking you to tell me those things. So just, I'll, I'll know a little bit about you before you come in, but I, I I'll, I'll use it as an opportunity to, to dig in and almost interview you while I'm photographing. And then I'm just watching for, for honest little moments. Um, while we're shooting and then getting you to hold them for me. So if, if I can see you perk up a little bit because you, you, you talk about the fact that, you know, you won a dance competition two years ago, yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to say, Oh, just, just hold your frame where you are. Cause you just sort of lifted yourself up slightly. Okay. And then just, just stop. So just engage with the camera a little bit, eyes to camera, and then just sort of snap a few like that, just turn your head slightly. Then I'm just sort of micro positioning people to get the light in the right spot or the right expression. And then sort of asking another question, give them to talk for a little bit and watching their body shape and expression so that I'm almost getting them most of the way to what I need them to be with the conversation and then just micro tweaks to get them the last 10% um, once they're there, if that makes sense, rather than sort of, rather than sort of starting from scratch and making it quite artificial. Hmm. And and I think you get more, you you get more um, honest shots of people that way because you, you, you're letting them be themselves rather than me trying to get someone stand the way I think a woman should stand, for example, because yeah. I read it in a book. It's very yeah. artificial. Everyone stands differently. Men, women, doesn't matter. Everyone has their way of standing. Yeah. And if I let you be you and then just micro tweak at the end, I stand more of a chance of people who really know you going, wow, that's a really honest photo of you. That feels like you. Um, and and I, I also find like it's you can get people very twisted up if you try and direct them. And I know I, I, admittedly I'm not very good at directing people from scratch anyway, which is yeah. sort of the other reason I've fallen back on this technique. But, you know, if I'm sort of a little bit to the left, I can foot this way. You know, they're following so many directions you've just given them. And they're so contorted by the end of it. They, they feel uncomfortable because you've got them sitting in such an or standing in such an uncomfortable space. 
that you know it, it kind of makes it more difficult for them to relax that I find just talk 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 and then micro express I, I usually start out by giving them some basics um about sort of about posture and sort of um uh, leaning into camera slightly just little things like that to keep in mind as, as they go along but then from there it's just letting them loosen into it if that makes sense it does and um and and i guess like a portrait really is we're photographing ourselves in a sense so you've got to feel comfortable with how that person looks you know it's it's kind of this partnership uh do you have like a preferred focal length that that feels right for you and a preferred yep. lighting style yeah so i'm i'm a um Studio, I'm usually on 85 mil, mm. and then uh, environmental portraits, I'm usually on 50. Although I've started shooting more around 50 in studio as well recently, so interesting. Some, somewhere, in, somewhere in between those two, I, I like the 50 just because it is slightly more intimate, so I can get in a little closer. Yeah, like those those uh, those mentor portraits you were talking about with 50 mil. Yeah, um, and just got in, me a little bit closer. Yeah. You're in their energy, aren't you? It yeah, changes it, the nature of the shot. It really does. I've noticed that lately with my own work. I'm at on the 35 yeah. equivalent and I'm right, right. practically straddling people now. It changes, changes yes, everything. Exactly. Uh, it's so interesting. It and, uh, approximating that, that uh, conversational distance I think is good. Like if you, as if you were sitting over a table with them, if you can get close to that and have that conversation where you're shooting, it feels a bit more intimate. Like I – I shot um, for a very brief period just to test out a lens. I shot with a 135 and straight away decided this is a mistake because I'm miles away. Yeah. You know, I, I, I'm, I'm almost yelling to them to change stuff, you know, or talk to them. It just didn't work. So 85 was good for me for quite a while. And then 50 is feeling more, more like a sweet spot for me at the moment. Yeah. And then lighting, lighting, I used to like more complicated. Uh, I, I used to like sort of with sort of three lights. Uh, and with kind of, I use soft lighters a lot. So, so there's inverted umbrellas with a diffusion panel on the yeah. front, uh, and then maybe sort of rim lights were a little harder, maybe bare light or something through it, like grid softbox yeah. or something like that. But I mean, in the last year or two, I've stripped it right back to one light and usually Rembrandt. So yeah. I'm, I'm, uh, sort of 45, 45 degrees. Um, and that for me, is and it it was you know because I mean I'm lucky enough to live in a city where we've got a lot of Rembrandts on the wall so going to the National Gallery and he's really as as a painter um, what he's doing with his portraits is 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 something I'd like to aim for because they're very very honest mm. and that those those mental shots were a step in that direction um, you know they're not trying to beautify anything in fact mm. they're being unkind in some cases. Mm in how they're accentuating age or, or flaws. And there's something in that that I think I want to explore for a bit. I did shoot, I, I did what everyone does when they start portrait photography, which is jump on model mayhem and ask if people want to shoot TFP to build your portfolio yeah. and you know shoot like a load of models and beauty lighting and over editing. And, you know, and I just, I'm so tired of that for myself now. Mm. And not that there's anything wrong with that. I mean, my wife, for example, is a is a professional retoucher, and she works for in the beauty and fashion industry. Right. So that's an absolutely legitimate direction if you want to take it. But but for me, I, I connected more with with Rembrandt's paintings, for example, or, or Salgado's gritty portraits of people, or that kind of thing is a direction I wanted to move. And that's sort of my decision to sort of strip everything back and stop yeah. trying to over beautify everything and make it a lot more um, simple, I suppose. 
I love it. I love it. And I'm looking forward to uh, seeing those images. So um, it's been amazing talking to you. I, I'm so excited about where you're going to head. I, I just think you're going to be massive on the, the YouTube as an educator, but also uh, looking at the, the photography that you're doing as a photographer as well. And I hope your dream of creating that work that uh, you're proud of, the legacy, uh, I, I'm sure it's going to happen. So where can people find you online, Sean? Uh, if you, I mean, my website is just um, Sean Tucker, S-E-A-N-T-U-C-K-E-R dot photography. So Sean Tucker dot photography. Um, and uh, yeah, if you just search Sean Tucker on YouTube, you'll find me or Instagram is Instagram is more the street photography side yeah. for me is just uh, Sean Tuck at Sean Tuck. So S-E-A-N-T-U-C-K. So I'll put all of those in the show notes as well, Sean. Fantastic. Uh, And once a month you put out a YouTube video, is that right? Yep, I sort of promise once a month. This year has been most – I've sort of managed two a month this year. No one's really noticed, but I kind of (laughs) promise one a month because I know I can do that. So, yeah. Fantastic. All right. Well, thank you again. It's been amazing uh, talking to you. Thank you. It's been lovely. Thanks a lot. Wow, cool. Sean Tucker. I just think that that's um, – I don't know, actually know how I would react if somebody said to me, um, like what that printer said to him, you know, I just don't care about these images. I'm not really sure how I'd react. It's quite stinging, but it was said with love, Val, and, uh, you, you think know – You it was said with love? Yeah, I think it was said with love. I think it was, it, it, you know uh, – look, you've got to pick – how you say what you say to people if you're going to critique, and I always believe that you critique with love and there is a way to say things. Uh, I might mm. have explained myself a different way if I was pointing this out, but uh, mm. it seemed to work for Sean. I mean, it took him, I think it took him a while to pick himself up, but then, you know, the result out of that are those stunning portraits that he takes with that beautiful Rembrandt lighting. Um, mm. And uh, and now he's on his way to uh, like another Another project, and uh, you know, I think it. I think it made sense. Yeah, brilliant. Well, watch this space, Sean Tucker, and we've got his images in the show notes, of course, which you can find at ginamilitia.com. But if you want to check out his photography, then just go to what is it, Gina? Sean Tucker dot photography. Sean Tucker dot photography. And the YouTube YouTube Sean Tucker photo. Check it out. I, I think you'll enjoy it. We'll put all of the links in the show yes. notes. All right. So what are you doing in the coming week, Gina? So I uh, am in pre-production for a big uh, cast shoot next week, so working on that. Great. And I'm working on some tutorials, oh, quite a few now, so lighting styles, and we're also awesome. talking about how I organize my files, uh, backing mm. up protocols so that they're easily accessible. So that's for the Goldies, and uh, I've got a few others on the card. What about you, Val? Oh, I'm just like there's so much to do because I'm going to Hawaii next week. So yeah. I've just I'm just in, you know, trying to get ahead mode and trying to get us everything off my to do list mode. Yeah, so, so but, we're, you know, we're hopefully so jealous, we'll get there. Val. <laughs> Hawaii, amazing. Yeah, right. You're the jet setter. You're the one <laughs> yeah, who's I know, always flying still, off all like, over I the can, place. I can have FOMO. I'm allowed. 
Okay, sure. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so where do we find you online, Gina? So ginamilitia.com, G-I-N-A-M-I-L-I-C-I-A. You can find see my work on Instagram and I'm also on Twitter. And if you want to connect with me in person, uh, I'm in the podcast Facebook group. So just look for So You Want to Be a Photographer uh, podcast Facebook group and also it's uh, so you want to be a photographer podcast community just search for that yeah. and click to join it's free to join yeah and also uh, in the goal community so if you're th- sitting on the fence thinking about like how you can take your photography to the next level come and join us in the goal community and yeah. see where your work goes because you'll take yeah. off because I love it's amazing teaching. to see the difference it's huge that, you know, so yeah, yeah I'd love to see you in there I'd love to work with you so you to found? find out more about that, go to ginamilitia.com and click on Join the Community. You'll find me at Valerie Koo, that's K-H-O-O, on Twitter and Instagram, and also you'll find uh, me at valeriekoo.com. Thanks for listening, everyone. Thanks, guys. we look guys. forward to chatting to you again next time. Thanks for listening to So You Want to Be a Photographer. For more information, free resources, and Gina's regular newsletter on everything you need to know to become a successful photographer, visit ginamilitia.com.